Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Deep Blue Sea to my shallows. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? <laughs> I was really hoping for that Son of Jaws reference. No, no. Our very own Jaws the Revenge is right behind us. <laughs> oh. That's er- Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing? Well, I may or may not have been in 3D, so screw you guys. Yeah, well, in Jaws the Revenge, also, it built someone's house. That's like the Michael Caine. Was that who it was? <laughs> Everyone was like, this movie's terrible. And he's like, well, it built my mansion. Uh, <laughs> you know, Kevin and I were talking. for the rings, babe. Kevin and I were we're talking about Michael Caine on the way over here, so full circle. Yeah, that's right. All right, do, so do my hope. Uh, obviously, it's been a uh, big week. We had actual football this week, guys. Kind of. The The Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> I thought I played Johnny Manziel's CFL game. Nope. The Baltimore Ravens, they played the, uh, I can't remember who the other team was, because I was mostly focused on the RG3 Lamar Jackson thing. Uh, who the, who the Ravens play, Kevin? I did not watch the... Uh... The Hall of Fame Hall game? Hall of Fame game. Oh, it was the Chicago, it's not it was the Chicago one did. I actually figured it out without looking up. It's Chicago Bears. Okay, so a lot of the start, none of the starters played because the starters only play in week two and three in the preseason. Um, so if you play daily fantasy sports, that's my tip to you is pick the backups this week. Pick the best backups. Um, and then uh, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, the the uh, I don't know who won. It doesn't really matter. Uh, Lamar Jackson looked okay. Uh, RG3 looked actually pretty good. So, I don't know. It's interesting. It's interesting that RJ3, once it, until his knee explodes, pretty decent. It's a preseason. He's going to look pretty good. Yeah, um, RG3 against backup competition is really rough for backups. All right, so let's let's go to our uh, our Seahawks news stories of the week. The Seahawks signed J.R. Sweezy. Uh, we'll talk about this later, but I'm going to predict that he has no chance to make the roster. Kevin, are you in agreement? Uh, I believe he has as much a chance as any of the other clear backup offensive guards. All right, so you're, you're you think he's in the mix with uh, Jordan Roos and, and Riso Diambo? I do. Uh, didn't okay. And Fluker and Postage because we only have backup offensive guards. <laughs> okay, Eric, didn't we make this joke a couple weeks ago? And we yeah, said we, we you said God we, no. I I didn't know this happened. We made a I'm, joke that he was going to get signed. Oh my goodness, I had no idea. You want to know it's really no bad? comment. Last year, statistically, he would have been our best offensive guard. So feel like feel about that how you will. I don't, Kevin. I don't feel at all. Uh, Cam Chancellor's been hanging out with the team and is soon will soon give a press conference to the, to the uh, to the media. He has not talked to the media since he retired. Are you guys excited to hear what Cam has to say, or like is this your chance to say goodbye? Like, well, the actual Seahawks are hoping that he retires because he uh, hasn't. He's not actually going to retire. He's yeah, if go- he does actually retire, it saves him a bunch of money. So that's not probably going to happen. I was going to say, is he not retiring so he can just get paid? Correct. And they can't just cut him on a on a physical waiver. Nope. They can't cut if they cut him. His contract goes all guaranteed, and yep. so so they just have to like ride it out uh, for this season. And Unless they, they come him, to a settlement, they can cut him next year. They could they could do try to do injury settlement or something. But I think like to be honest with you, he played hard. He signed his contract. We should pay it out. Like and we're not gonna sign. We're not gonna use the money for anything anyway. Probably. Basically, uh, the only thing that'll happen is you might see an injury settlement uh, if we end up doing something about Earl's contract. So however likely you think it is we do something about Earl's contract, that's how likely you should think it, that we do something with First thing you said works for me, Kevin. Uh, Russell Wilson has been talking up Will Disley quite a bit in the the starting offense drills. Do you guys uh, think that... Is Disley like kind of grabbed the starting tight end job by the horns here? It seems like the other guys are all kind of a mixed bag, you know, like pros and cons. But Disley, I haven't heard a single negative thing about him. Is he the guy to beat at this point for tight end, Eric? I I love Will Disley. I think he's great. I think it's too way too soon to say anything about battles and the way it's going to lean unless there's no competition there. This, but, is he in the driver's seat? Uh no. No. He is he is equal with at least one other person, in my opinion. All right. Uh, I think Kevin? it's still Vanette's job to lose, but I think Disley's put himself in a position where now, depending on how Soups is playing, Dixon might be vulnerable because Dixon has been out so far. He has not been yeah. practicing, and every day he's not on the field, he's kind of falling behind. Okay, Dom- Dominique Rogers Cromartie is working out for the Seahawks this weekend. On a scale of one to ten, how much? How how much would you want us to sign Dominique Rogers Cromartie, Kevin? Fourteen. Okay, Eric. Yeah, that's that's a ten. Ten for um, ten for me as well. I think a one hundred out of one hundred. Cornerback is one of those spots where it'd be pretty easy to upgrade. Defensive end being the other one, and I think that this is a this is a pretty clear. He's a step faster than Maxwell. Can can he play defensive end? 
I don't think so. No? Okay. Okay. I don't just think checking. defensive end is as big of a weak spot as corner is right now still. Yeah, I think that they're close. We'll get to that later. They're close. It's, you're right. It, those are the two weaknesses on the defense, though, I think, depth-wise. Uh, the I disagree. Okay. <laughs> you think linebacker or defensive Kevin, tackle? Or Kevin's safety? got a point. Kevin's got a big point. Yeah, at least point safety, today. we have a bunch of like medium guys. Yeah, I know. I <laughs> I would love to have a discussion with you about okay. defensive ends in a moment. Okay. Um. So then the uh, the uh let's go to NFL news. I think that's about... It for Seahawks I had for this week. Uh, oh, we're going to try to put three guys back there on every kick return. Have you heard about this? Yes, I love that. So, so ridiculous. It is, but they changed the kick return rules. So in my opinion, screw it. Why not? So what is the, I, I don't know the kick return rules exactly what they mean for the situation. So you can't have a wedge or anything, right? Yeah. So what I'm looking forward to is if you put three people back there, you suddenly can do like some weird flea flicker stuff. I'm really interested to see like what we try and do as far as weird lateral things and misdirection plays. Oh, I like the idea of like doing a lateral in the end zone and taking a knee anyway. That's, <laughs> <laughs> um, Just uh, do a lateral where you pitch it out of the back of the end zone instead of taking the knee for the touchback. As long as we're not the first team to have an accidental safety. All right. I, I don't really. I didn't really care about any of the NFL stories from this week. I thought they were all boring uh the san diego chargers continue to have a witch's curse on them yeah it, uh, though if you're surprised weird. that Verrett got injured um you should look at Verrett's career sorry yeah i don't i don't know what i don't know it's it was all boring uh randy moss could be anyone in a foot race according to uh randy moss no it was according to <laughs> it was a it was sorry a, that was terrell uh, owens according to terrell it, owens my mistake no it was not terrell owens it was <laughs> no, no it was uh, brian russell yes talking about uh what was it the, when they were in on new england together he would bet he would try to when they were on minnesota together minnesota. he would try to get people to bet him in races and then he'd race them and then beat them and then like run backwards at the end and stuff and just yeah. clown on everyone uh that's because randy moss is um, freak of amazing. nature that yeah. sounds like randy moss Randy Moss is hancock was the uh, biopic of Randy Moss, where they just replaced being a superhero with being a football player. All right, so we're going to... This week, what we're going to do is... We're, it's going to take a while, so I'm going to get us in there quick. Uh, we're going to go over kind of the our predicted 52-man rosters, and we're going to try to figure out where are the interesting position battles on this team. We're going to start on defense, because when I was going through this, I found defense to be much less interesting to me than offense. Um, and I'll explain why in a minute. I'm going in order of things that make me interested. Right. So I just want to start, not start with special teams. Rip. I'm going to rip off the band. Should start with special teams. Hey Kevin, I'm going to rip off the bandaid, so to speak. All right. Let's start at defensive end. On uh, defensive end, uh, the team has lots of players, and um, we're we're just going to go over uh, kind of who there we think is going to make it. There are many bodies that are human on this defensive. Line. I got Frank Clark, uh, Rasheem Green, Brandon Jackson, and Marcus Smith. And I have Quentin Jefferson on the bubble. Uh, I crossed it out at the end. I said that he's not going to quite make it. Uh, you might notice that I have Deion Jordan absent. On my paper, I wrote, Deion Jordan, physically unable to perform list. <laughs> so, really, so. I, I didn't bother to write that out. I just put pup. <laughs> okay. Kevin, what, uh, what, what, do you, what are your predictions for, for DE? Uh, I also have Deion Jordan uh, on the pup list. I have Clark Green and Smith in. And Jackson and Jefferson fighting for the last roster spot. I agree. That's the that's the battle right there. I just think Jackson has a pretty big head start. I think Jackson has the least upside as a pass rusher, but he seems to know what he's doing better than Jefferson. Jefferson's going to have to show me something I have not seen at all from him in his time in the NFL in order to see him pass up Jackson. Another thing about Jefferson to me is like I feel like there's like inside outside flexibility and i just like don't care about that with this roster because as you'll see in a second i kind of like our defensive tackles we need outside outside flexibility <laughs> we, we need guys who can play defensive end we uh. need guys who can who can kick in and play d tackle so that for me like i just really just don't don't care that because that's that's kind of a tiebreaker you could use right is yeah. jackson's like a solid de he's really good at he's pretty good against the run he's a below average pass rusher let's be real and then uh quentin jefferson is like a guy who can play defensive end and defensive tackle solidly i don't know is also a below average pass rusher right and seems to get turned around a little bit more on run plays so again i think when you're talking about your fourth defensive end you kind of need the stable option yeah i mean at least brandon jackson had like 11 sacks in college that's cool all right let's talk real quick about defensive end though because i know that you have a big concern here and i don't okay why not so the reason i don't is because i think that clark is a plus pass rusher Sure. He's a double-digit sack guy. I think that Green is a seven-sack guy. 
And when you're talking about a combo of around 20 sacks from your top two, also we talked about it the whole time before Joe, before uh, Jordan went out, we talked about how Marcus Smith, his numbers told us he could be trending up. And I still believe he can make an impact as a pass rusher. I think when you're looking at, if you're looking for 10 to 12 sacks combined between Green and Smith, I can see that happening. I just, um, what's that number, Kevin? I just don't. Between 10 and 12 sacks okay, combined okay. for Green and Smith. That's I'm not cool. crazy about Rasheem Green as a, like a guy who can pass rush right away. I think he's like two or three years away. The same way we saw Clark come in, but but worse. He's farther behind that curve, I think, than you Frank You think Clark he's was. multiple years away as opposed to like he's late two, season? Two or three years away from being like a guy who can get even challenged for close to 10 sacks. I would that say like far away. Five maybe really is far maybe my away. prediction. And that's because he's going to get a lot of snaps too. That's not because I think like, oh, he's like a really, really polished, ready pass rusher. I mean, he did get 10 sacks last year in the Pac-12. It's not bad, but but I just don't have the He the was confidence. also their primary. Uh, he, was, he, he was their best defensive lineman. And a lot of that pressure but, came from the inside, yeah, which is harder. Inside and outside, which is another thing too, is like he's only going to play outside for us. There's no room for him to play inside. I think he will be as productive as Mike as Bennett was going to be. Mm, I think because I think mm, Bennett was poised to take a step back for like a seven and a half sack season. All right, Eric, did you did you uh, differ on your opinion about what defensive end we're going to keep? No, uh, Quinn Jefferson's really. I think he's the he's the swinging point of this argument. Like I want to see how he does in the preseason. I think kind of the best case scenario for him is that he starts the season strong and disappoints us around game six onward, and he's out. All right, um, okay. Kevin, talk me out of talk me out of this. I want to keep five defensive tackles: Jaron Reed, Nazara Jones, Tom Johnson, uh, Shamar Steven, and Puna Ford. Am I crazy? Like, is is this uh, is this nuts, or or do you agree that this five is the number? You know, I actually really like five as the number. If we're going to keep four on the defensive end, having a bunch of fresh bodies rotating through on tackle, because then there'll be no reason to kick Green inside or anything on third down. And so the question becomes: Do you think that Reed and Jones have progressed as, enough as interior pass rushers? I, I like Jones as a pass rusher. I thought he was good. I mean, obviously, the injury really slowed him down. I think Reed's shown a lot of progress, too, in his footwork and his hand placement. I think he could be a decent interior rush. I think that they plan on using Tom Johnson in more in that role. Like a, that, That's like going to be like Tom Johnson plays the third downs. Jaron Reed's always in on first and second down because he's so good against the run. Um, he is. He's just like awesome, awesome, awesome against the run. Or maybe Naz Jones won't, won't play on first and second down. I'm not sure. I feel like the team has a lot of faith in him. Like they got what they wanted out of Brad McDougald, out of Nazare Jones, and then probably totally regret trading a first round draft pick for, or so was it first or second round, second round draft pick for, uh, uh, for Sheldon Richardson, even yeah, though he probably. was the best player on a defense last year, other than Bobby Wagner. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at. Eric, what, do you feel strongly about this defensive tackle group? Uh, we talked about this a little before. We have a we have a lot of bodies to tackle. I like this better than defensive end. I apologize to Joey Ivy the fourth. <laughs> I was gonna say like I I think Puna Ford seems interesting. Again, I want to see how he looks. Do you know the weird thing about Puna week? Ford is? It's like from a production standpoint, it's a no brainer. Like if we look at college production, Puna Ford not only should should he make the team, but he should have been like a third or fourth round draft pick. The problem is he's five foot eleven. You know the crazy thing about him being five eleven though. What? He has uh, his offense is uh, arm length is he's, longer than most left tackles in the NFL. Even hear, at five eleven, you want to hear another crazy point of forward thing? He yeah. ran a sub five second forty. I know this guy. Like, there's so much to be enticed about. I here's the thing: if we keep four, I could see Shamar Steven being the guy to go. I okay. agree with that. I can I can see it. I think we're going to need more. Could beat someone. I think we're going to need more bodies on the defensive line, and we we stick with five. Tom Johnson's way ahead of Shamar Steven. I do. There's a six year age difference there that makes me think Shamar Steven has a shot if it's like a coin flip. Does that make sense? I think we have a lot of youth on that defensive line, though. You just want an old man in the room that knows what he wants to do. Like I also think that uh, Johnson might be the better player for this season. And I could see both of them not being on the roster come next season, right. depending on what we do. Outside linebacker. We've got some interesting happenings out here at outside linebacker. I think this is where it starts to get interesting. I've got. Should we talk about linebackers as a whole? Because I think when we take the backups, we're kind of talking about both. Okay, we can do that. So um, I think Barkevius Mingo, Quim Griffin, uh, KJ Wright, 
Bobby Wagner. Those are like deadlocks. Yep. There's four guys that are going to make it. And then there, I think there's about four guys on the bubble. Okay, you've got DJ Alexander, Jacob Martin, uh, Emmanuel Beal, and Austin Calitro. And I have um, Cal- Calitro getting the, getting the, missing the cut. Not, not quite making it. Um, I got Beal, Alexander, and Martin making the team. Uh, so that brings me to seven linebackers. Eric, how many linebackers did you have making it? Five. Five. Okay, so you went too lower. Five is how many we kept last year, right? Yeah. So, which- so that was partially why I did it. And also, I'm just, I'm, I'm not into the the younger players. I don't really know much about them. I, I think DJ Alexander. I think, uh, I think DJ Alexander is probably the only guy I can really speak on. Yeah. The thing about Martin is, is he's like a really good pass rusher that weighs 235 pounds. It's not like a great fit for the Seahawks in any way. Yeah, he has the he has the pass rush experience to play defensive end, which as we talked about, we could desperately use some defensive end depth. But at 235 pounds, he's not especially tall. He's like 6'3". At that size, you are not going to get defensive end snaps in the NFL. So, I feel like you've you've probably heard us talk before about how like um Marcus Smith is not uh is it Marcus Smith that's 250 pounds? Yeah. Like he's not super big and then same thing here. It's like where this guy's just small and it's I think Marcus Smith we didn't even really talk about him, but he's going to really struggle to find a place on this roster just because his size. Like I have he him, showed he could pass rush though last year. I have which, him in just because he's like one of the only true pass rushers left, right? Yeah, and if you have him in uh, obvious passing situations, he can do well enough where if they run out of like a four wide receiver set, he can hold his own. And Jacob Martin is Marcus Smith, but 20 pounds lighter. Exactly. So that's, that's what you should keep in your head. Not to mention he's going straight up against Quim Griffin as an undersized outside linebacker pass rusher. And Barcavius Mingo as a not undersized outside linebacker pass rusher. So that outside linebacker pass rusher thing, we got a lot going on there. Um, I feel like it's more Emmanuel Beal versus Alexander, depending on who's showing better at special teams, who gets that last linebacker spot. I think we're keeping five also. You have five also. Yep. Okay, so you guys probably kept a lot more safeties and cornerbacks than I did. All right. <laughs> so I only kept five corners. Let's just start with that. I kept Thorpe, Shaq, Coleman, Maxwell, and Flowers. I got rid of everyone else. Uh, the, I guess Mike Tyson would have been would have been my bubble guy if I would have had one. Um, so did you guys keep? Who did you guys keep? Did you guys keep those same five or did you go extended there? So I have Griffin, Maxwell, Thorpe, and Flowers in. Then I think we keep one out of three for Reed, Boykin, and Tyson. And if I had to guess, I'd say Boykin right now has the inside edge. Do you think Dante Johnson has a chance to sneak in there? Like I, I think that Dante Johnson is being tested more as a safety. They see him more as a safety. I know he played corner last year. Um, Eric? I also have the, the same thing as Kevin has, except I'm out on Tyson. Uh, <clears throat> I just say Reed and Boykin. My thing is Mike Tyson last year was looked at as a safety. Uh, this year he's looked at as a cornerback. I don't, I don't really – I haven't seen anything from Mike Tyson to th- – to see that he belongs in the NFL. All right, and then we've got safety. Um, I kept five safeties. Uh, Alex- uh, Mo Alexander, Delano Hill, Tedrick Thompson, Brad McDougald, and TJ Mutcherson. I think there's considerations for Akeem King and Dante Johnson as well. I think the safety group is actually, it's deep. None of them are superstars, but it's like there's a lot of guys here who could who could be pretty decent. Um, Eric, we'll start with you. How many safeties did you end up keeping? I have four. I really like your list, Nathan. I just don't see us keeping five safeties. I just think TJ Mutcherson, he, he strikes me as one of those guys where it's like the, the, he got brought in because other players vouched for him. He's bounced around the NFL a little bit. He's not like a total, you know, he was on Houston last year and got waived. He's a central Florida guy. So he played with the Griffins. Yeah. Like they, I think that there's something there and the team sees something there. But I mean, if, like I said, if Dante Johnson or Akeem King came in over him, I would be less than surprised. Those guys both are talented and have skill. I thought about keeping six safeties and cutting a linebacker, which maybe in retrospect I should have done. I don't know. Kevin, what what'd you got? Uh, I'm also keeping five. I have McDougal, Thompson, and Hill in. And then I think King, Johnson, Alexander, and Mutcherson are battling for two spots. Four players battling for two spots. You think Mo Alexander is not like a deadlock to make the roster? I do not. I, wow. I just think that Mo Alexander doesn't have the upside some of the other players do. 
I'm a I'm actually kind of a fan. Like I'm I the more I think I think about Mo Alexander and like watch stuff about him, the more I'm like he's he's surprisingly decent. I feel uh, like he's a lot like Johnson. So if I'm going to say Johnson's on the outside looking in, I got to say the same about Alexander. Oh man, Don, Dante Johnson was like a total reclamation project though. He was like the worst cornerback in the league by last year by like most advanced metrics. Yep. But where are you guys at on Tedrick Thompson? I mean, uh, all the articles ago? are very positive. They well, all say uh, that he's he's ready to go, that he could be a future star in the NFL. I mean, a month it's, it's ago, we were really bullshit. wishy-washy on him on this podcast. Like, so, we did not. We liked him. We didn't like him. What, what, nah, where here's we the thing. I think there's two ways to look at that because I at no point have I not liked Thompson. What I've said is Thompson replacing what Earl Thomas does is really yeah. difficult. It's a big ask. He's like half, uh, th- third, 0.3 seconds slower. That's the big thing. I think that Thompson has extremely strong ball skills. Yeah, he's Going so back to good college, at reading the play. He's yep. And the other thing is his foot. He has a high football IQ yeah. that <laughs> everyone likes to talk about. But if you if watch him on film, that dude knows where to be on the football field. If he, the problem is he can't get there as fast as Earl. If his body was Earl Thomas's body, I think he could be pretty much as good as Earl Thomas. But Earl Thomas is a better athlete, just straight up. There's no like ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like yeah, he's if, just much better. If Patrick Thompson had uh, Shaquille Griffin or Shaquille Griffin's uh, stats at the combine, he'd have been like a top fifteen pick. Like that Colorado secondary that huge. he came from, all those guys are panning out in the NFL too. Like mm-hmm. all four of those guys, they were great all together in college. They were really good. They shut down Pac twelve offenses, which is a throwing conference, and they. And then they all come to the NFL, and no surprise, like in their second year all together, they're all finding success. Akello, uh, Witherspoon, and all these guys, they're just all looking like they're going to make, they're going to be starters on their teams. Yeah, you will not see Tedrick Thompson out of position, but you will see him get burned so, or not be able to cover, like he, he can't cover the entire back end of the defense like Earl could. So Patreons, problem. Patreons no, I made an Earl Thomas video quite a while ago, and I showed a few plays where Earl covers ground that I think literally no one else in the NFL can cover that much ground. It's just not possible. He's just, he's so fast and he reads the play so well. Tedrick will, like Kevin said, will read the play that well. He's just he's not fast, not as fast. He's and fast. You, is he starting opposite Bradley McDougal? Probably. It's him or Mo Alexander is the other person that might start the first preseason And so you're going to look at more two deep safety type schemes. And honestly, that's still as far as ball skills go, an above-average safety combination in the NFL. Okay, It's just you're going to be stepping down from Earl Thomas because Earl Thomas is probably the best safety in the NFL. You may have noticed we all just counted Earl Thomas out. Um, I don't think Earl's the kind of guy who compromises in situations like this. It's going to be get a new contract or bust. So we'll see what happens. I just don't – I don't – I'm going to assume at this point that until the Seahawks decide to step up to the negotiating table, he is – I'm going to consider him gone. I will say, though, if Earl's in, then I think we only keep four safeties, and it'll be interesting to see what that does for the rest of this defense. Yeah, I think we'd keep five. I think we'd keep... Eh, Alexander will be on the bubble for sure, but it, there's a chance that, you know, and Hill, Tedrick, and McDougal, they're all probably going to make the team. I think McDougal, Tom, Thompson, and Hill are in. Yeah. All right. Um, so that's the, our, our predictions of a defense. How about uh, kicker? I literally only had one position battle that I underlined. I just underlined... Q Jefferson versus Bran- uh, Brandon Jackson. I have everything else. I felt like I I felt really strongly about. Like that's the thing is, even if some of these uh, cornerbacks and middle linebackers are competing for spots, I don't think it's going to matter for the future of the team too much. Does that make sense? None of these guys are huge difference makers, which is unfortunate because in the past five years, these last of roster battles for the Seahawks have been guys that are really, really good. Like guys that I'm like, whoa, when he gets cut, some team's getting a steal. Right? The only thing I'm going to say is if. Johnson gets kept. It makes me wonder what they see as about him as a corner, because mm-hmm. he could be the next kind of shed thing where we play him at both safety and corner as we work on his back pedal and everything. Because that's something that we can do better than other teams in the NFL. All right, and uh, he has the athleticism. We've talked about this before. His measurables are exactly what you want to see. Okay, so let's let's talk about this. This is kind of the uh, the literal elephant in the room. Uh, Sebastian Janikowski is real big and he's actually looks like he's going to have to fight for his job. So he didn't come in in super great shape. Um, not surprisingly, uh, he's pretty old. He's been in the NFL for what? 17 years. Yeah. 17 years. Even for a kicker. That's Um, old. So he's 40 years old. I think that, yes, Kevin, you're, you've been saying that this is a real battle and I think you're right. What, what do you, who do you think is going to come out on top? I think Myers comes out on top. 
He's going to make less money, which if you look at what we're doing at the punter position, clearly that's something the team's thinking about. Myers is someone that you can probably move forward with. He has had a decent career in the NFL so far, which you have reason to believe based on his track record. I mean, kickers are a lot like relief pitchers. You want to sign them for a little, and you want to run them until they are no longer the hot hand. And overpaying for someone at that position is not economically responsible in the NFL. My my big thing is that he he signed a $2 million contract, but it has a $600,000 bonus. So if we cut him for Myers, we're paying $1.3 million for our kicker, which is like not that big of a gulf between that and $2 million. I don't know. I, don't, I think it's going to come straight up down to whoever kicks better. And I think Meyer might kick better, especially because Janikowski is such an injury risk. Where's Myers from? Or Meyer? He, uh, played, for he played for Jacksonville for one year, and then he uh, he's 27. He went to Marist College. <clears throat> Do we know his his kicking max? Like what his longest? Like what field his goal red is? meter when you fire him up is? Uh, his career long field goal is 58 yards. He's 10 for 19 on 50 plus yard field goals, including seven for 12 in the 2016 season. The second season where he played 16 games before he got hurt he's okay it's he's fun. a league average kicker, to be honest when i look when i look at his stats they remind kick. me of what i thought of blair before of blair walsh before last year it's like except he's not trending down here's the thing yeah he's we, not broken blair mentally, walsh yeah, we broke exactly. him and he was trending down we should have known better if anything anybody could have saved him it would have been pete but it didn't happen all right let's let's get out of special teams land uh michael dixon's gonna win the punter job yep Get over it. If you love, if you love John Ryan's, now's your chance to say goodbye. Which I love, John Ryan, and goodbye. Okay, let's <laughs> let's go ahead and start at what I think is. I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna bookend this with the two most interesting positions. You oh, guys, well, I want to start with the most boring position. Okay, fine. Russell uh, Wilson at quarterback, and we're only keeping one other one, and it's gonna it's, be Davis. It's gonna be Alex McGow. Nope. Yep. I'm calling it. I'm calling my shot. Here. I'm gonna I'm gonna split the difference. We're keeping a second quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> Tanner yeah. McAvoy. Um, Alex Mago is going, they're already talking him up to get him on the practice squad, talking about how bad he's struggling. Yeah, they're trying, that's total like smoke screen to get him on the practice squad yeah, too. It's because really obvious. Cause he's Great. like, it's my favorite. He's like obviously playing good. You watch him and he looks like, like a, a lot of picks. like a bad Russell Wilson, which is a probably <laughs> surprisingly decent. Here's player. the thing. If we're playing our backup quarterback, we're screwed anyway. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to running back. I think running back's the second most interesting position. Maybe third if you really are into tight ends. Uh, we got five guys battling for four spots. Trey Madden. Um, I don't think he's got a shot. So here we go. Rashad Penny, Chris Carson, Mike Davis, CJ Proseis, and JD McKissick. I'm just going to call my shot here. If Proseis is healthy, he is 1000% in. His talent is so evident every time he's on the field. And I just don't I'm gonna. I'm the CJ Prosize truther. He, he, yes, his bones are made of graham crackers, and his tendons are made of gummy worms. I understand that he's he's often hurt, but delicious. If, the 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 talent is so enticing, and if we cut Davis or McKissick, it's not like we can't probably get them back if Prosize ends up getting but hurt. But Nathan, didn't you hear? No, what? CJ Prosize changed his off-season program to a. See, before he was trying to add muscle to protect himself with bulk, and now he is on an injury prevention health program <laughs> because apparently in seasons past he was pro injuries. I don't really know. Kevin, are you telling me that he was? This is, I love these stories. He the was reading. He was so reading dumb. a workout I mean, magazine, and he was like, "Oh, I didn't see this injury prevention thing at the new, bottom." Uh, new so, nutrients person. So when they did nutritionist, when they did first team two minute drills, who who do you think was in the game at running back? Uh, they were rotating through between Carson and Procise. Procise, yeah. Procise was the the guy who got the most snaps, and then Carson was got the second most snaps. You're right, Kevin. Penny didn't get any. So it says to me that this team really believes in Procise. They really want. They're really crossing their fingers. And to be honest, he's a difference maker. I understand why. So for me, it's a battle between McKissick and Davis. I don't have room for both of them because I don't think of either of them as exceptional special teamers but mckissick is a better special teamer so i went with mckissick over davis it was tough but um that's the way i rolled uh eric which uh, running backs did you like i have the exact same thing i i think it all hinges on if Procise is going to be healthy now where you said they really like Procise, i know they really like Procise, but i also feel like they're trotting him out there to see if they're gonna hurt him you yeah, know, like putting him through the paces to yeah, see exactly. if, if it's like, going to work. Give hit him. If he can't get up, then he's not any good to us. Uh, I love what you said about McKissick. Uh, he's 
he's very replaceable, and I think he's fine if he's on the team. He'll be a great special teams guy. Here's the thing about Mike Davis. Mike Davis belongs on this team if we have no other running back. He was fine for us, but is not a guy that you want to ride on this team. And we have Carson. We have Penny. We will hopefully have ProSize, which is a change of pace back, and McKissick, who can spell him if you know he misses a couple games. But Mike Davis... Follow-up follow up question, Eric. Did Mike Davis have the most oh. overrated 3.5 yards of carry of all time last yes. year? Yeah. it's. <laughs> it reminds me of... Uh, we were he, so desperate for just any water there, right? Man, you could have brought in Mike Davis over Julius Jones years ago, and people have been like, "Oh, he's so awesome." It's just we had nothing. Like we were so, we were just so thirsty. I'm sorry, Mike Davis. We love you for what you did, but uh, the Browns might need a running back. The thing is, if if we had room on our roster for a third down back, I think Mike Davis would be like awesome because he's a really good pass catcher. I was actually really surprised how good he was catching out of the backfield. The unfortunate thing for him is. Rashad Penny, Chris Carson, CJ Procise, and JD McKissick are also all really good pass catchers. So it doesn't leave a lot of room for a guy who like is a pass catching specialist on the roster. Well, and this doesn't this doesn't mean that a, a reason why you should or should not keep a guy. But if we cut Mike Davis, is anyone picking him up? Right, we can get him back if yeah, Procise's Procise gummy bear worm gummy worm tendons come into play. He will be there. Uh, Kevin, did you fall in the same spot as us, or did you go a different direction? Uh, I went in a slightly different direction. You just kept all five? Yes. Yeah, I thought. I think that's the most likely scenario here. There's an option there. If you keep less wide receivers, you have room to keep five running backs. There's two things that I want to put out there towards this. Uh, number one, you guys brought it up. Mike Davis was our best pass catching back last year. Uh, but I think the other thing to take consideration is that J.D. McKissick was our best overall running back according to DVOA last year and according to success rate. Uh, J.D. McKissick both running and receiving was a really solid piece in our offense. And I think he provides a lot of flexibility. He has some receiver ability. He played flanker or slot back on occasion in college and has shown the ability to do that. I really like what JD McKissick provides as flexibility within this offense. So right, but I like, think that he's clearly our number four running back. It was like over 80, Mike Davis. It was like 80 touches. I'm, I mean, he's the kind of guy you can mix in a little bit and he'll be effective. But if you go overboard with it. Oh, yeah. You shouldn't get if, more than like if he trends over seven or eight touches in a game. If he trends over like 200 touches for the season, we're in trouble. Something went wrong. <laughs> so, OK, so we all fell in the same spot. Like Kevin says, Davis but McKissick is a true backup for CJ Procise is what I'm saying. D- yeah. I and I feel that. like Penny and Carson are very interchangeable. So Mike Davis is definitely fifth man. Carson is it seems to be winning that job. But that's not what this is about. This is about roster battles. So Kevin says. Davis makes it over some of the wide receivers that I think me and Eric have making the team. Uh, so there's that one. Did any of us keep a fullback? No. No. Yeah, I, I agree. Fullback, uh, for the fullback record, is... last year, we were worse running with a fullback. I think that's two years in a row now. We were worse running with a fullback than with no fullback. I thought Khalid, not the Marshawn Khalid, Hill had a, Khalid Hill had a chance because he's really big. He could pound it in on the goal line, and he's a pretty good pass catcher for a guy who weighs 263 pounds. And he's used to splitting out and playing in a tight end position. Right, correct. So like, so he, he reminded me more of like a um, Chris Cooley type. Like We'd use him as like an H-back, uh, flexible, tight end, blocker, guy we could hand it off to every once in a while. Really? Because he reminded me of the fridge. Yeah, okay. You see how big that freaking guy is? <laughs> I mean, have you seen how big have you seen how big Chris Cooley is? Remember those pictures that came out? Anyway, go, go ahead and Yikes. Google Chris Cooley locker room, guys. Okay, so Do um, why, don't Google that. I know. I Wide know. receiver. Incognito browser. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't want that to, you don't want that to mess up your Google search history. It's all, they're gonna, they're it's all I know, weird, Kevin. It's all I know. Weird suggested uh, searches. Let's go to the uh, the O line, where we're competing for eight to ten spots on the roster. Um, the locks for me are, I think we all would agree, uh, Fluker, Posich, Britt, Jones, Jamarco Jones, and Dwayne Brown. Those guys are, are pretty set in stone. Afedi. Afedi is, is a very likely keep. And f- and then we got Fant, Roos, Odiambo, and Hunt kind of battling for two to three spots if you if you want to keep extra linemen. Um, Isaiah Battle and Skylar Phillips, uh, thanks for showing up. Go, d- Kevin, how many, let's start with you this time, how many offensive linemen did you keep? I kept ten, but I know it's going to be nine. Which one do you think is most likely? What's your like biggest battle then for that tenth for ninth spot? So I think that it's something that needs to. So I'm really interested in seeing how it shakes out between Afedi, Battle, Jones, and Fant, because all four. I don't know. Battle 
and Jones have now both gotten first team snaps, including battle getting snaps in the team scrimmage yeah, at right tackle over Afedi. Afedi keeps getting benched for penalties in yep. practice. They keep and for sucking. And Dwayne Brown is like in his grill. It's really fun to watch these training camps where like Dwayne Brown is. You can tell this offensive line is going to be different this year, and it's because Dwayne Brown is in everyone's grill, dude. He's like not putting up with anything anymore. He's an extra offensive line coach for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's it's great. He's he a big tell. guy who does a lot, and he doesn't want to do someone else's work well and solari apparently told brown like i told a that uh brown's gonna be like his dad yeah he's, <laughs> he's like you gotta learn how to be like this guy and if you can't well hit the bricks i think there's four of our offensive line spots are pretty solid brown postage brit and fluker as our starting four like i'm into that and i think it's not that bad right tackle is going to be a disaster but whatever is it <laughs> If it's if Jamarco Jones could probably be serviceable, I think. I think Jamarco Jones could be serviceable, and I think that Battle could be a non-tire fight. I I do not like Isaiah Battle, but that he's big. That's I can say that with he's absolute certainty. Big, and he's been in the league for a little bit. He can actually put himself in the correct position. Okay, he oh, is not a net negative. We didn't mention Jarrah Sweezy. There's a reason. Um, then so <laughs> I I only kept nine guys. Um, and the guy I had out for me, Kevin, was Joey Hunt. And yeah, I just that's have our big disagreement. I have a, this. I think that if Britt gets hurt, one, we're in big trouble. But two, po- it's likely to me that Posich, who played center in college, would just kick over to center, and then they'd bring in one of these other guards. If if they keep Hunt as a second center, I think Jordan Roos is a long shot to make the roster. I would tend to agree with that statement. The reason why I'm not willing to say that Hunt's out is because in the past, the Seahawks have shown an unwillingness to move a player who's starting already to a different starting position. So My if hope Postage is our that- starting left guard, mm-hmm. then I think that there's a big chance that they would not want to move him to center. My hope but is that Postage that was a loses- Tom Cable thing. I'm thinking that that was like a Tom Cable thing, not not a uh, a you know not a Seahawks philosophy, but correct. a Tom Cable philosophy. Yes, that could very well be the case. Uh, I will say, if we're cutting Joey Hunt, then our roster construction becomes a lot simpler because then. It's basically Odiambos, Roos, and Sweezy battling it out, and two of them will make the roster. Yeah. And it's Battle, Afedi, Jones, and Fant battling it out, and, and three, three of them will make the yeah. roster. And then you have nine kept, and I think that's a really likely scenario. Uh, Eric, did you keep uh, eight or nine offensive linemen? I have nine offensive line. I think the interesting battle will be probably two of Roos, Hunt, Fant, and Afedi. I don't think Afedi's a lock to make this team. I actually am with you on that. If he keeps making so many mistakes, the team is eventually going to just... You could see, I think, after week two. Pick in 2021. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the old Sooner Corey rather Coleman. than later, really. Uh, I, I don't right. think it'll be like week four. Next up, we've got tight end. Uh, there's, Perhaps the tightest of There's four tight ends, and I think they're <laughs> battling for three spots. Um, uh, it's Dixon, Disley, Swoops, and Vanette. Um For me, I got Disley as like the only deadlock. And then two of those other three guys are going to make it. If I'm picking with my like my heart, I really want Tyrone Swoops to make it. Just I love the upside of his athleticism, but my brain says Vanette is slightly more likely. Um, Dixon, I just think we invested too much to just cut bait without ever let, having him set foot on the field. So that's that's my uh, that's my take on the tight ends. I think it's four guys battling for three spots. Eric, do you think that? Uh, all four can make it, or do you think it's, uh, it's four for th- three for four? It's weird because I think four is too many tight ends, but Will Disley, I think, is a lock to make this team because of what you said with the money. Ed Dixon's a lock to make this team. They're talking a lot about swoops, and we all think the Vinette is, like we've said this, Vinette said this, it's his job to lose. So here's the thing. We're either keeping all four of those guys or ugh, Vinette's out because I feel like I don't know. Maybe they'll lie about an injury. I just don't see us getting rid of Ed Dixon. And we're think talking we're... about running two tight ends. It makes sense to keep four. Hey, we're about to get blocked by Nick Vanette, by the way, because he says his Twitter follows like his Twitter feed is always like uh, all the haters. I'm fueled by your doubt. Like, well, then wouldn't he be following us to listen to you two hate on him? I know he's he's fueled by. Oh, he wants to hear. That. I'm not hating on him. Hey, I actually put, think he's really talented. On our Twitter, put that picture of me and him together. He'll I, he'll follow us. I just think he hasn't figured it out yet 
for, as a Seahawk. And if he does, I mean, he's six foot six, two fifty seven, and pretty fast. Well, what does he? What does he excel at besides his skill set? He can power through jams and, and get up the seam. Like that's the I think his biggest strength. Yeah, he's, he's really, really good strong. at stretching the field he's, up the middle. He's strong, so like if they try to jam him at the line and slow him down, he's not gonna. He homie, don't play that. Like, but he's, he's gonna, not a guy that, that he's not ever a guy that's been able to shine. And I don't know if I don't want to say that's his fault or that it's that's not his fault because if it's a really good plus athlete at that position, we had Jimmy Graham, but let's face it, he was playing wide receiver. If we put him in that position and he doesn't shine, then I think it's on him. Okay, so in my opinion, the problem is the reason we couldn't see him shine is because as a pass catcher. Not as a blocker, but as a pass catcher, his skill set is a dead ringer for what we were getting out of Luke Wilson and Jimmy Graham. He has more speed than you commonly get from tight ends. He's good at stretching up the steam. He's above average in height. He can make plays with his hands. He's a good hands receiving tight end. He's really strong. So I just now that we don't have the two of them, this. his eye... His, uh, yeah, that's, he can fight through the middle to get a catch. Like, Are you saying now that he's alone he there, he's, his skill set stands alone on the team? Because right. he's a better version of Luke Wilson's skill set. And, and he's so, probably just farther along than Swoops. Like I, I, He's also taller than Swoops and a better blocker than Swoops. There's like a, there's something just exciting about Swoops. It's like the unknown, you know? He's like really fast, and he, he seems like he could be the next Antonio Gates kind of guy. He's an option quarterback. He right. has a lot of flexibility in what he's capable of. I agree. But but Vanette is Vanette's definitely a more polished product. I feel like it's Vanette Dixon and Disley. Yeah. So watch out for the time. You know, in the preseason, if one of these guys just blows up, you know, Soups has like 400 yards receiving or something. He could, or if uh, you know, Vanette puts everyone away and takes the starting job. I think this is like an interesting position, but it's really just four guys fighting for three. The spots. big thing is, don't sleep on Disley as a pass catcher. He's a converted defensive lineman who's only been playing tight end for a couple of years, and he's grown by leaps and bounds as a pass catcher. He's a guy who can really work well as a safety valve, and he's a better athlete than I think people give him yeah, credit for he, as a blocking tight end. He ran a he ran a, uh, a very similar forty to Vinette. Yep. Uh, so that's just and he's a couple inches shorter, but he's a very very powerful. He still athletic. has that defensive end mentality. Fastest like, fastest forty among this tight ends group, Kevin. Ed, Ed Dixon. Okay, um, let's <laughs> you're in a four yeah, six ten six. years ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago, but still, that's pretty. He's Ed Dixon was a great athlete. At, was he went to Former Oregon? Oregon tight end. Yeah, Kevin. Okay. What do you like about Ed Dixon? Really quick, sorry, Nathan. Uh, I like that he understands how to play in the NFL. I like that he is a plus run blocker. And the big thing that I think is nice about Vanette Dixon and Disley is it's very similar to what we've had in the past, where we have a really similar skill set between the different tight ends. Except this time, that skill set includes being able to block. Okay. Did he, um, he, Dick, Dixon has like separation speed too. I mean, I like what like I've seen him play and get just separation on guys, which he, I don't know. I, I like Dixon. I just, I know Kevin is, I'm not going to say you've been hard on him, He's but he played on a team with Greg like Olson him. for the last like six years. I mean, it's hard to get your shine when, when Greg Olson, the one of the greats, you know, is, is well, on your team. He's been playing long enough that he backed up Todd Heap, too. Yes. Yeah, well, well, what Kevin said about he's he knows how to stay in the league. It's he's been a, he's, that's value there. He's been playing with a bunch of good tight ends. I mean, this is the it's first a time young tight end group, and uh, he could be the veteran in the room between Disley and Vanette. That's not a bad thing to have. Yeah, this is the first time too he's had a chance to like really win a starting job. I think like with like Kevin said with with Heap and with, in his way in Baltimore, and then Olsen in those way in Carolina. He never really had a ch- chance to be the well, number one. And tight end. Uh, what's the other guy who kept getting injured and his career ended really fast in Baltimore? He was behind. He had a chance to beat him out for the starting job. I know. I know who you're talking about. And uh, he couldn't. And I think because I think he got the starting job for one year and then got beat out. And I cannot think of the player's name. But uh, he was he had like a good two or three year run and then basically just like his body failed him. Yeah, I don't know. Dixon has appeared in 16 games in every season except 2012. So he's he's. I think been pretty pretty decent in the in the 2013 Baltimore season. Ed Dixon was the uh, leading tight end receiver, but he barely had more than Dennis Pitta. Dennis Pitta, that's who it was. <laughs> Dennis Pitta's legs fell off. Let's just real quick swoops. What do you? Oh, Pitta had one really good season. Yeah, Pitta wow. was really good, and then his legs fell off. 2012, that year before that. Okay. Are we just in love with swoops from from a skill set, but we don't really know? That's 100 percent what it is. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's, he's a walking athleticism. Mis- mystery box. He looks, really, he looks really cool. Okay, here we go. I kept 
a staggering seven wide receivers. And this is why I was able to not. cut to cut Davis. Uh, da- that this is my extra. Um, I cut Davis because I kept seven. I think six is a more realistic number, but oh wait, I crossed one of these out. Never mind. I kept six. Okay, Doug Baldwin, Tyler Lockett, and Jaron Brown are are in. Yep. Do I agree with that? Yep. Uh, then probably three of these four for me: Darba, Marshall, Marcus Johnson, and Tanner McAvoy. Uh, Kevin, is there anyone else that you feel like is in the mix here? Uh, you already said Marcus Johnson, right? Correct. Uh, I have Johnson, Reynolds, and Moore. But you like Reynolds also. I have Reynolds and Moore both in the mix. Oh, David Moore. Wow. Yep. Okay. There's a lot of guys to think about. Keenan Reynolds is a slot receiver, right? Yeah, I think there's six people fighting for three spots. Reynolds is not just a slot receiver. Keenan Reynolds isn't he like five foot five? No. Okay, he's five foot nine. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so it's really small though. I knew he was like really small. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Uh, he has the best special teams upside out of any of them. Ah, okay, interesting. Other than Tyler mm. Lockett, of course. So, yes. so uh, out of any of the people that we just mentioned so, fighting for the last job. So Darba and Marshall, they have no special teams upside, which is why it's hard to see us keeping both of them. I have us keeping both of them right now and then keeping one of the special teams guys. Uh, I picked McAvoy because of the experience. He's been on the team for a while. Uh, I really like Marcus Johnson, though. It's it's hard. It's easy for me to see why the team was sucked into like trying to get them to throw him in on that trade. Yes. Like, his athleticism is apparent. He he has like he real has skills. Length. He's raw. So like you can like really there's something you can build on there. Um, so John, I have Johnson and McAvoy as like my big final battle. For some reason, I just think Brandon Marshall is going to make it. They seem to re- he seemed to have really stepped up as a leader. He's really you see him out there all the time helping the other wide receivers. And there's something to that for me, um, especially while Doug has been fighting this knee injury and isn't out there to a- be able to do Doug Baldwin things. You know, they, we needed someone else to step into that void, and he's done so pretty admirably. Eric, what wide receivers do you like to make the roster? Uh, I have six as well. I have, uh, of course, Baldwin, Lockett, Brown. McAvoy is going to make it because of special teams. Darbo, Johnson, and Marshall are the two guys I have fighting it out. I like Johnson. I like Marshall. I mean, I've won a Marshall on this team for a few years. I just, I don't know, man. It's, it's a guy who's getting older, who's getting slower. And when you say you like his leadership, I don't, I mean, I know with Doug being out right now, I just don't know if we need the leadership through the season. I'm not sure Brandon Marshall's a lock. All right, Kevin, you went, I, I'm guessing you went with six as well. Uh, I think there's going to be six. Okay, and then what and what so guys are fighting for spots? I think that I, uh, Marshall, Darbo, and McAvoy are fighting for spots, and okay. Johnson, Reynolds, and Moore are fighting for spots. Oh, so you're saying there's like they're fighting for different spots though? And I think we're gonna get kind of two from one group and one from the other. Depending on how many special teamers we need from, depending on who we keep on defense. Yes, and I think the big thing is if we end up keeping Marshall and Darbo, that's a 6-2 receiver, a 6-4 receiver, both big guys, both play on the outside. McAvoy's kind of Both are kind of high possession receivers, 60 to 65% catch guys. I think McAvoy could be out because Reynolds can be your third slot receiver behind Lockett and Doug. And like, or like, what about Marcus Johnson just as a like pure athlete guy, right? Like, and yeah, I think Johnson is interesting because I assume that he's an outside receiver because he's not a polished route runner, but I really don't know where he fits. And that's my concern with Johnson is I don't really know what role he's locking into. Four three nine forty though, 37 inch vertical leap. Um, I mean, he had like a great combine. Yeah. And so if we kept Johnson, it's because we wanted somebody who does the same thing that Brown does. Because Brown is like a four four speed guy who can play on the outside who can make some space and so i'm really interested to see what jaron brown brings to the seahawks offense i really like jaron brown i feel like worst case scenario he's uh jermaine curse with speed yeah but i honestly think that he's a better hands guy yeah he ran a four four he ran a four four at the uh at the combine. And it wasn't very long ago. Undra- he also went undrafted just like Marcus Johnson. I don't think that the difference between Johnson and Brown is that big. Brown's just 
been able to polish out his routes more, you know? Yeah, he got to watch Larry Fitzgerald for three years yeah. and learn and took a lot of notes. And you can tell it makes a difference. Right. There have been every single oh. day in the uh, training camp reports, it's talking about how Brown is really finding a good way to get himself open, especially in the red zone. Yeah, they call I him think he's played himself into a lock spot. The Seahawks silent assassin. That's what they've been calling him. The really? silent assassin. Yeah. I like that. You can Google it. That's it. That's Basically, funny. he doesn't talk a lot of crap. Uh, there's other That's guys only because he's next to Doug Baldwin. There's other guys on this roster that like have an outside shot. Demoria Stringfellow, Cyril Grayson. Uh, I think those guys are those guys are going to end up on our practice squad. Yeah, but I think I think the secret battle here is Keenan Reynolds versus Tanner McAvoy for who provides the best combination of necessary backup wide receiver and special teams upside. I think that's a really interesting battle that you really will see in every single uh, preseason game because both these guys are going to get a lot of snaps in the preseason. The history of Keenan Reynolds is weird. He ran the 40 and then did two of the, at his pro day, he did two of the events and then pulled a hamstring. Couldn't do the shuttle or the three cone drill. And I ran a four, five, six, which is actually a little bit of a letdown for me. Uh, McAvoy is just a giant goofy guy. <laughs> <laughs> they're both they're also both converted uh converted quarterbacks oh did he play quarterback funny. at navy he played quarterback at navy huh. and uh. he was one of the best throwing back quarterbacks in navy history he had the career ncaa career touchdown record for a moment um he had a really decorated college career he was very very cool very fun to watch this is a guy who returned a lot of kicks and did some special teams duty for baltimore when they brought him in he couldn't quite crack the rotation as a regular receiver in baltimore but he's really really interesting he has a cool story and you know how pete loves a good story dude his his um his college football stats are pretty wild Mm -hmm. like looking at them like he created a lot of yards from scrimmage like rushing he ran for 1300 yards as a senior in addition to 1200 yards passing and Navy runs some kind of weird option thing, right? Yes. So that's why he didn't have like crazy gaudy passing numbers. Yeah, they run the best triple option in football. Well, basically. what about Georgia Tech? Come on, buddy. Uh, I will take Navy's triple option quality <laughs> over Georgia Tech. Do you know where uh, Paul Johnson coached before Georgia Tech? Probably, probably Navy. Probably Navy, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, that's our roster battles. Uh, hopefully you are uh, you are thinking about this and have some things to watch now on, on Sundays. If, if you think we are uh, way off, you know, hit us up on the tweet. Tweet. Hit us up on the Facebooks. And uh, while you're watching don't the offensive send us an line. Email. Because you know you're going to watch that offensive line. Your eyes are going to be there for those preseason games. Watch the wide receivers. Watch the defensive backs. Those are going to be the really interesting battles yeah, this year. I agree. Running back is is a, is a cool one. And then wide receiver is the most interesting one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, wide receivers and corners and safeties. It's going to be really interesting to see who shakes out on this roster. Okay. Um, so let's get in the money zone. Uh, you can support the Seahawks Nest podcast by heading over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest for as little as $1.24 a month. You can support the Seahawks Nest for- podcast. We picked up a new patron, y'all. Uh, oh. 20, we are now at 21 patrons. Uh, I have to, you have to give me a minute. So, so then, um, they, they changed how it shows the patrons in, they did. I in there. That. Uh, and it's really weird to me. Uh, so we, um, we just want to thank everyone who's uh, pay, uh, supported us Patreon during the regular season. And actually, starting next week, we'll be doing some stuff with uh, with over-unders and uh, preseason bets, uh, props, and stuff like that. Uh, you can support the Seahawks Nest podcast for uh, and get that extra content. Uh, thank you to Forrest, Lucas, Carrie, Nick, Mike, Tom, Michelle, Arthur, Mirza, David, Keith, Frank, Brett, Josh, Augustine, Michael, Brian, Russell, Kimberly, Cody, Kevin, William, Wolf, Wolf, that's pretty dope, and Jose, and Jose. so thank you to um, those those people, oh, Wolf is a follower, so Wolf, Wolf just wants to know what we're up to, oh, maybe, I don't know, maybe he is, so there you go, so, um, ladies and yep. gentlemen, the Patreon interface is garbage, yeah, it's, so, it's, <laughs> it's straight trash, man, I don't really understand it, okay, so then, um, also, if you're dead broke and you want to support the Seahawks Nest, you can support us any number of ways. Give us a five-star review on iTunes, which you guys have been doing. And I want to thank you. Those reviews made me laugh. You guys were funny. Funnier than us. Not close. Uh, <laughs> then, uh, yeah, we, we, appreci- we especially appreciate where we got compared to a, to an ice cream sundae. Yeah, and Eric, that and just, someone called Eric the Nuts. That shows how good our listeners are, yeah, though, they because they get it. They understand us. And they, like you, they weren't, they weren't super mean. They know that people like nuts, even though I think they're atrocious on a Sunday. <laughs> they didn't call me sprinkles, and they get it, and I oh, appreciate dude, it. 
you know what? It's funny about that is I always get sprinkles when I go to Coldstone Creamery, and my <laughs> my wife my wife's always like, "Why do you get sprinkles?" I'm like, "I just because want some, you're nine. I just want something crunchy in there, man. I just want some some crunchy." Because Nathan is a large child. Uh, okay, so uh, other ways you can support us: follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, Facebook.com/slash Seahawks uh, the Seahawks Nest, Twitter.com slash Seahawks and those reviews Nest. they don't have to just be on iTunes whatever you're listening to us on yeah. right now Stitcher. you can you can just give us five stars there Stitcher SoundCloud yep. uh, iTunes is the best for giving us a little bit of a boost but whatever you are on give it give us some five stars yeah. man facts only Chew known by off. people who make a podcast like 70% of all podcasts are listened to through iTunes very weird yep um, okay so uh, movie club is going to be short today so let's keep it short and sweet the meg comes out this week it I features a, need a features a giant club. shark let's talk about a movie that has sharks i can't think of very many good movies that have sharks that's because there's not very let's many talk about jaws we're going to throw piranha <laughs> movies in there too and not talk about any piranha movies oh no you don't want to talk about piranha 3d actually be into that let's just talk about dog soldiers <laughs> <laughs> kevin kevin went full animal <laughs> all no, right that's uh that's rob schneider um Let's just keep it short because I think people uh, they they've seen Jaws. Uh, Kevin, what's your what's your favorite uh, scene from Jaws, or what makes it so iconic to you? So it's funny because they spent all that money on the animatronic shark, and that was supposed to be the big thing, and it did not work. And the story behind the shark not functioning for much of the shoot is a very well known story. But the best part of every monster movie is where they haven't shown you the monster yet. For me. And that's because, and that's why I think the opening of Jaws is the best part of the movie. You know, you have the classic teen skinny dipping scene, and it's dark out. It's dark out. It's They're dark. The it's scary. There's just the two. They find they find the partial remains the next day. Like it's they like, do. But yeah. my favorite part is when there when she swims out, and then it does like the tug, and she gets kind of pulled under and bobs back up, and you have it, it's it's such a slow roll. And it rolls out that iconic uh, music, and it sets the tone for the rest of the movie. It's just, it's a very quintessential monster movie moment. It's, in a, in a movie that has a lot of instant payouts, that is a very slow burn moment that I think is excellent. That is my favorite part of that entire movie. All right, Eric? Uh, I think, Kevin, this... The reason why this movie is so remembered and so good is because of the slow burn moments. Uh, I think everyone expects us to say the the boat scene is our favorite, but I look at every scene on the beach where <laughs> our protagonist Roy Schneider from or Scheider, uh, Scheider, yeah, Scheider. thank you, Roy Scheider, uh, blue the the pilot of Blue Thunder himself. Uh, that's a weird reference. Uh, Chief Martin Brody, thank you. He's he's out on the beach and like you hear screams and you see panic. And it's just a joke. But he is so filled with fear. And he sees kids thrashing. It's it's that idea that, you know, children are dying on his watch. And he has to save them no matter what. And that those tense moments, that makes the movie for me. Because it's broad di- daylight. It looks like it does outside in the summertime here. It's beautiful. Not a cloud in the sky. And he's just freaking out because there's a shark fin. Oh, it's a, it's a kid playing a joke. Oh, there's you know someone screaming. There's a group of people screaming. Oh, they're just playing you know a game. It's those moments that are super tense and they they pay off. And the play between him and Robert Shaw as Quint, there's just some very good back and forth between those two characters. Yeah, uh, between Dreyfus and uh, Shaw. The uh, between, no uh, Scheider and, and Shaw. Oh, okay. And Dreyfus and Shaw. Dreyfus and Shaw apparently like hate each other in real life, and that's why their banter is so good in that movie. And like, I would, so I could believable. see how that would be the case. Um, all right, so here's my here's my thing. Uh, the for me the best part of this movie is the music. Um, John, Such a good score. John Williams crushed this score, and uh, the best thing about it is like the at first uh, the what, Spielberg was not convinced. He was like, eh, I don't really what is this really what you want to do? Like, is this what you have in mind for for Jaws? And he was like, no, this is it. Trust me. And then you're just gonna play the it, cello, like, huh? This movie would not have been half as good without that music. And I think. It really launched John Williams. Like before that, he had not done like a bunch of huge movies. Then he does, you know, a, a, you know, Star Wars stuff. He helps with Star Wars. He does Dracula. He does Return of Superman. Like he does all these huge movies after that, right? Yep. And so, so it kind of gave us uh, John Williams. Uh, my other fun thing about this is this: that line "You're going to need a bigger boat." That was not scripted. 
this is why when Eric said Roy Scheider's the MVP of this movie, like that's why he's the MVP. He gave us like the most iconic line and he just ad libbed it. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. To oh, me. And his body language in the the whole movie, there are entire like long shots that are just based on his reaction to everything. Like those scenes that uh, Eric was describing, it's so much of here's something normal, here's his face reacting to it. And just all of the body language acting that he did in that movie until the really shark good. shows up, the terror in that in those scenes is all Scheider's face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he builds the tension of the movie. Um. So yeah, they they uh they sunk a boat uh, when they were filming it. The orca <laughs> they sunk it. Um. They built they had to build three sharks. It cost them almost a million dollars, which at the time nineteen seventy five was a quite a bit of money. Um. Yeah. So Should have gone digital. Coined the term uh, blockbuster. Really? Yep. This was the first blockbuster movie. The the term was coined uh, in a article written about this movie. This was the introduction of the summer blockbuster. Yeah, and um, so the highest grossing films of all time, like Jaws, Jaws, if adjusted for inflation, is up up there. Yep. Um, I think it's ninth all time, and at the time it came out, it was first until Star Wars beat it. So and then ET beat Star Wars and then I think ET held on for quite some time until we had Titanic. Uh, so yeah, just uh, one uh, of these uh, things is not like the other. Hey man, Titanic. What say what you want? Um, James Cameron can make some bangers. Uh, like he he knows what people want to see. So, so uh, he gives the people what they want. He still hasn't told us what we wanted to see in Titanic, but he knows. <laughs> he knows. He obviously figured it out because people saw it a lot. Yeah. Um, all right, for Kevin Garber and Eric Ronovec, I'm Nathan Santo, and we'll see you next week. Go Hawks!